Hi, this is Tom Field. I am Vice President of Editorial with Information Security Media Group, and I want to welcome you to one of our executive session discussions, where it's my pleasure to be sitting in person with Tammy Muscaitis. She's the CIO and the CISO with Venify. Tammy, thanks so much for joining me today. Thanks for having me. It's, uh, it's unusual to find someone with both titles these days. Yep, um, I'm very fortunate uh, to have both. Um, the benefit is, is I just have to ask myself for money, and I can say yes. So I have to, I cut out the CIO. I know a lot of executives <laughs> would like to be in that position. So it is a unique role. You don't often it find is. the CIO in the CISO. How do you, you talk about the positive? You can improve your budget. Yeah. But how do you respond to the natural tension that often can be there between two distinct roles and often two distinct parts of your organization? Well, I'm very fortunate in the sense in where, you know, Venify um, doesn't have tens of thousands of employees, although we have multiple locations around the world. We're very fortunate that I'm able to build security in with everything that we do. So with larger organizations where I was a chief security officer, such as Time Warner Cable, Home Depot, and a few others, that the fortunate piece of that is that I'm able to right away from the beginning get things done the right way, making sure security is the, in the beginning of the project management. With larger organizations, especially when I came in, security was more of a let's check it at the end of development and then you have to backfit in security or controls. And as we all know, security is really about business enablement anyway. So as you're able to actually focus on doing the right things right, it, you know, in Venify's um, you know, area, it's, it works quite well. Which is your first hat, technology or security? My first hat, oh my goodness. I've been doing everything IT probably for about 30 years. Okay. So when I look back at my career, I did everything. Uh, when I started my career, I was actually an executive assistant you know, back in the 80s. So when I think back of all the layers and all the things that I've done from actuarial science to managing and building help desks to capacity planning to security, um, you know, it really focuses on, it really all intertwines. So technology was the first one and security has become the one that it, sort of emerged. Yeah, I, I guess you'd have to go that, but if yeah. you actually think about it, I, I was in actuarial science area, so I was actually assessing risk back then. Sure. Before right. people were talking Before about it. Before people were talking yeah. about it. Now, I've spoken to Jeff Hudson, your boss, quite a bit. And one of the things that he often has come to me to talk about, and I know you've done research on this, is the mm -hmm. cost of failed trust. Mm -hmm. It's been a big theme of his since even before the big high-profile breaches. What would you say that we've learned about trust over the past couple of years with these high-profile breaches? Well, you know, um, in the past, people really didn't think about keys and certificates or foundational security as inclusive of that, right? A lot of it was around focusing on very high-level APT solutions or DLP solutions and things like that, technology solutions that cost millions of dollars without even realizing that we forgot about the basics. The 101 security and IT things around asset inventory, knowing what you have, no keys and certificates, user IDs and passwords, those things. Those are the foundation. You have to know what you have to secure and protect it. And so the, the attacks on trust is just that, right? Keys and certificates are the foundation of, of our internet. You have DNS and keys and certificates, et cetera. But that trust factor, the ability to know that who you're doing business with or who you're shaking hands with on the other side is somebody that is known or is trusted. Right. When I meet you in person, I automatically know if I'm going to trust you. I shake your hand. We might not be best friends, but I mm -hmm. can, you know, there's an interaction. You don't have that on the Internet. You don't have that when you're doing that. So you have to trust 
who you're doing business with, and we do that via certificates. And you're trusting me so far, right? So far. Good. Okay. So far. <laughs> on, the, on the right start. Now, we look at, Target's the one everybody talks about. Mm -hmm. And in one hand, they talk about, well, that's the one where the CEO lost his job. <clears throat> but the company has rebounded. There doesn't seem to have been a, a breach of trust with the consumers. You know, um, as with all breaches, no matter which field they're in, whether it was Target or whomever, Sony, you can go on, there was a bazillion of them, and there's probably a lot more of them prior to breach notification laws, right, that we just sure. don't know about, sure. right? They're just more aware now because of the laws. Um, but, you know, I think that um, depending on, um, I think the frequency in which the breaches have been occurring after the Target breach, it kind of is becoming more of a norm that people are understanding that what breaches are and how they have to make higher level of awareness of securing and protecting their own identities than they did in the past. Um, personally, um, you know, I would walk into any Target store today and use my credit card a hundred times over more than I would go into any other uh, retailer just sure. because I, you know, one, I know the CISO, so I'm very confident that they're securing <laughs> and protecting. Um, but secondly, I think that they're, you know, they, they've really taken a, a really good focus on doing the right things, mm -hmm. right? So. I come back to certificates mm -hmm. and cryptographic keys. What would you say is sort of the state of the union for attacks in those areas right now? Well, you know, with vulnerabilities such as, you know, Heartbleed and Poodle and, um, Shell shock and a lot of the other ones that have come alight the last uh, year, couple of years actually, in addition to Stuxnet way in the back, um, that the you know the ability for the bad guys to be able to utilize them to steal information and to become a true threat vector um, is becoming coming to light, and even looking at things like uh, Edward Snowden right using SSH and and others being able to actually use vulnerabilities around you know using uh, keys and certificates. We're finding it that this is a good way to hide information going out of organizations. It's encrypted traffic. Sure. Unless you know what it is, once again, if it's known trust and you're trusted, it's great. But with over 50% of the data leaving organizations encrypted, unless you're decrypting everything at the edge, you don't know what's known good and what's not without mm -hmm. having a good inventory. So there's sort of the state of the art on the attacks. What's the state of the art on the solutions? Are we a step behind the attackers, a step ahead, or are we in pace with them? Um, you know, Venify, like I said, the reason why I joined Venify in the first place is that it's one of the only companies I know um, that does full life cycle management of, of keys and certificates. So a lot of people have point solutions or they use spreadsheets in a lot of cases to manage their certificates. And what we find is that that's, as we all know, it's, it's sort of like writing something on a piece of paper. Once it's written there, you kind of forget about it until there's a major outage or an impacting um, activity in your organization. So uh, for me, I'm, I'm, I was excited to join Benefy because I was a customer as well. So um, I, I was able to actually spread that message around, around um, uh, what's happening in the world. Um, when I look at our customer base, um, the same things we talked about to customers two years ago when I started has been a complete about face. I mean, people are aggressively understanding that this is a problem and uh, the solutions aren't out there in a holistic sense. You can have point solutions on CA-specific solutions, but you really need, just like I think it's a holistic thing, being able to manage it and be able to react and be very agile. So if something or certificate enters your environment that wasn't there yesterday, that you're able to quickly determine whether somebody put something in that they didn't follow a change control process or if a bad guy's in there trying to duplicate or do something that was malicious. 
So as we're sitting here and talk today, encryption is the discussion that everybody is talking about. Mm -hmm. Your presidential candidates talking about encryption. Mm -hmm. What is your personal stand on the notion of building a back door into encrypted products that we sell? It's a real hot topic, right? And so no matter how I answer that, um, I'm going to answer it from the sake of Tammy Muscaitis and not of Benefy or anybody else. Um, I do not believe in putting encrypted backdoors into anything. And if you set precedence over getting a backdoor into one specific thing, um, it becomes a common law being able to to do that for anything, you know? And the point of having something encrypted and, and us as our rights as part of our rights of being able to keep it private to me, I carry two cell phones because I keep one private to me and one for work. And I see that you do too, right? So, um, you know, for me, I, I want that right to have something private, mm-hmm. right? Um, you know, uh, I think that um, although there was, um, you know, when you look at the cell phone issue with um, terrorists, sure. right? You know, you have to kind of weigh that out. Um, how much information do they already have? What else are they needing to get? Mm-hmm. Right. Um, there was some cloud backups that they did. A, they were able to, you know, extrapolate data from. So um, without us knowing the specifics as a common person, right, somebody that's not fully embedded, um, you know, I don't, I can't see that um, that it's the right thing to do. So as a technology and a security professional, when Tim Cook calls, what's your advice to him? Don't do it. Yeah. Now you've been in the, the business for 30 years in mm-hmm. IT and security. What would you say over that time have been sort of the biggest lessons that you have learned in your career? Um, gosh, that's a great question. Um, I think that, um, yeah, I've learned to be um, a little less stressed out about certain things and realize that I have to hire people a lot smarter than me to get things done. Mm-hmm. And uh, I used to try to do a lot of stuff myself early on in my career because I felt that I always had to prove myself. One, I was a woman in technology, which was uh, which the, is still today a very um, you know small percentage of the IT and security community. Um, so I always felt like I had to had to do it myself to make sure it was done right. So um, I've learned uh, very humbly over the years that um, that you know people are a lot smarter than me and can do it a lot better. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's I mean that that was a big thing um, in generality. Um, but I think that. Um, the other things is that I've learned things that I, I've implemented really lousy, and I've implemented things really well, and somewhere in between. And uh, being able to take those experiences and partner with my CISO community, because you know we're a really close community, we sure. know each other really, yep. really well, um, but we're really open to sharing a lot of that. And um, so uh, for me, it's, um, I've learned that um, information sharing is just the key to being successful in the mm-hmm. security community. Now you mentioned the sort of the challenge of being a woman in IT and in security. And mm-hmm. People have brought a lot of attention to that in the past few years, I feel, um, at least making it a cause. Right. What do you find people misunderstand about the unique challenges as well as the unique opportunities of being a woman in these professions? Well, you know, it's it, if you look back and statistically, right, that the percentage of women in the IT workforce um, is exactly the same as it was, you know, 15, 20 years ago. It's right. just a law of large numbers, the more people now, but it's there's more women, but there's also that many more men, right? Um, but it's not really, I always say it's it's more back in the day that the women didn't always get the, the job. I had an experience where I didn't get the job because I was a woman, so I was very passionate about that through my career. And I think that um, 
as we look at the women trying to get into the workforce today into security they're more concerned about having that work-life balance um, you know they want to have a family they want to be able to spend time with their kids and um, you know it's it's a men do too don't get me wrong but it, it's, it's that I think that mothering piece of us that want to spend more time with our kids and don't want to be working a million hours security is you know 24 hours a day seven days a week 365 days a year yeah. Um, but, but is there a job now that's not? I mean, with as connected as we are. But, to, you know, that's the thing. And that's what we're trying to make the change in the notification of people. I, I, I've spoken about this a few times, is why we need not just more women in the workforce, but men as well. I mean, we need to get people engaged. I can't find candidates, right. even today. But the thing is, is that, you know, I think that what the misconception is, is that it doesn't have to be a 24-hour-a-day job. And there's more areas than being a pen tester or ethical hacker or whatever and having to be working crazy hours all night. There's so many more areas that they could be working in, whether it's compliance or, mm -hmm. you know, um, audit or identity and access management or even um, just, you know, general security analysts or threat analysis and those types of things. There's other jobs that they can be doing either from home or on the road like I do or um, even just, you know, knowing that it's just going to be, a, you know, an 8 to 10 hour day rather than a... 24-hour day. Yeah. You mentioned the, the issue of getting qualified candidates. Mm -hmm. It's a global issue. It We've is. been talking about it for five or seven years now. Mm -hmm. what, what can we do to make this profession more attractive to people looking to either start or restart their careers? I guess I'd ask, we're paying this much attention, it's not changing. What are we doing wrong? Well, there's a couple things. Um, one is that security doesn't have the elevation in organizations that it's, that a lot of professionals don't think that they're still taking it serious enough. Mm -hmm. That's the reason why a lot of the CISOs still report pretty far down within an organization or still through the CIO or through technology, and they don't look at it as a business enablement problem, which it is. Mm -hmm. I mean, security is all about business enablement. So sometimes when you're looking at a career choice or where you want to be, people have this feeling that it's going to be a part of IT or, um, or the salaries. The salaries aren't catching up with the skill set. And um, I think that even from the resumes I get for jobs, you know, I'd say, you know, one out of every 50 is a woman. And of the 50 that I get, there's probably a handful of them that are truly qualified. Right, so you're getting a lot of candidates trying to get their step in, and what I'm, what I've been talking to with my peers is, let's start focusing on getting these you know, kids right out of college. You know, they don't have to necessarily have a security degree, but IT or programming or some kind of business, and that have the desire. So get into the colleges early, start speaking to security, start speaking about what we are, what it is, because like I said, there's a misconception that it's just, you know, some guy you know, standing in a corner trying to hack into something, and it's more than that, right? Mm -hmm. But um, really understand the business aspects of it, and then bring them in and let them rotate through security and through IT or through audit and get a feel and pay them, pay them well, right? Um, and I did that a lot when I was at Time Warner Cable. I mean, we had interns and we, you know, we brought them around, we paid them very well, and uh, they grew very quickly. They became full-time employees, you know, um, have a shadowing program within uh, my organization's always done that. So if you said, well, I really want to be a pen tester, said, here, go sit with the pen testers, you know, one day a week for the next three weeks, and then a lot of them come back and say, oh, I don't ever want to do that. <laughs> it looks glamorous, but it's, you know, they might not find it that way, right? And so it's, um, it's really just education. I think mm -hmm. that we as security leaders, especially like folks like myself that have been doing this forever, we really have to get out there and start preaching you know what it's about and what value can bring in. So what do you do at Venify now to attract people to the profession and deal with your own skills issues? Well, um, 
it's it's very difficult, right, um, to get folks in that are um, we're a smaller organization and and also in the vendor side. So sometimes it's harder to get those yeah. security professionals to come into the vendor side when they come in and they start talking about it and they like, well, you you have the same problems, yes, <laughs> you know, different scope, you know, smaller scope, same problems, all are dealing with the same issues, right? And they get excited about the entrepreneurial nature of it, and that's and that's kind of the twist that you know a lot of security companies or a lot of IT companies have to kind of twist to it, right? Because you have to show that that your thoughts are heard quite differently and actually can impact the product, right, or mm-hmm. add value. Um, when coming from very large organizations, when you're when you're you know trying to find jobs, you're getting you know sometimes five thousand people just wanting to come work for your you know Fortune X company, um, but finding the qualified people. But it's a different balance, you know. Uh, five years ago, I was able I had a much bigger influx of res- qualified resumes that I can use the 80-20 rule. Mm-hmm. You know, 80% technology and knowledge of security, and that other 20% I can fix. Yeah. And now I'm using a 50-50 rule, where I was like, well, they have good bones, <laughs> and here I can I can train the other 50%. And the salaries are going way up in the last two years. Mm-hmm. So that's also a challenge, especially for smaller companies. Sure. So as someone, again, who's been in security and IT for Mm -hmm. 30 years now, what advice would you offer to the up-and-coming generation of technology and security leaders? Um, I think that it's important uh, to have integrity. I think that um, you'd only be fooling yourself. Security and IT is all about um, having strong integrity and self-worth, right? Um, You know, don't do anything that you wouldn't want to do. Um, and I think that's an important message, even right at the young ones, you know, make sure that, that you have a voice. Um, I also want to encourage them to, to think outside of the box and provide ideas. I think it's really important for them to not feel uncomfortable going to their executive leaders and tell them what they can do better. Mm-hmm. Um, I know as myself, every single employee will tell you that I've had for the last bazillion years, the one thing I ask at every single one-on-one, every single meeting is, what can I be doing better? And the first thing is like, oh, I've been thinking about what to say all week, you know, but, they, but you know, it's not a, um, you know, I tell them what they can be doing better and they sure. need to tell me what I can be doing better. Uh, but, you know, really enforce um, that um, they need to be open and, and have a good time. We got to love what you do. I do. Mm-hmm. I love what I do every day. I'm fortunate. So Tammy, looking over you next year. What can you be doing better? What could I be doing better? Um, you know what? Maybe less travel. <laughs> That's what I could be doing. Um, I've been traveling um, about 90 plus percent of the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I really would like to spend more time with my team on site. I mean, we FaceTime and we, we talk all the time, right? Um, but I really, um, I would really like to spend more FaceTime with my team um, and my husband. <laughs> that would also be nice. A little bit more FaceTime there too. Um, but uh, I think uh, I think a little bit more work-life balance next year, yeah. not this year. <laughs> this year's going to be a busy year. I appreciate your time and your insight. Thank you so much. Thanks for uh, spending the time. Appreciate it. For Information Security Media Group, I'm Tom Field. Thank you very much.